0: Warning. MF Uncensored contains adult language and discussion. Listener
1: discretion
0: is advised. Warning. MF Uncensored contains adult language and discussion. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to MF Uncensored. Don't forget, if you guys are listening to us on the go, you could find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, basically anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also find more of our content on our website, themisfitfaction.com. There, you find links to not only this show, but some of our other shows like Cinematic Adventures and the Multiverse Fancast. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Paul, with me via the Zoom Studio, author, b- former pro athlete coach guy of jack of all trades and probably (laughs) smarter than i'll ever be mr sean spencer sean how are you today
2: i'm great man how you doing today i appreciate you
0: yeah man Uh, like just reading just reading your media kit i was like damn this guy this guy's so cool like i can't be this cool
2: (laughs) well i i I, all right i have to say a lot of that cool factor or a lot of that came by accident. This was not by design. Let me just say that. We can get into it, but it was not by design.
0: I think that makes you cooler, though. It's the people that try okay. to be cool. That's the, You can right. always see right through them. Like yeah. My favorite is the guys that really rev their engine when they're driving, so oh, everyone knows how fast my. their car is.
2: I live in Los Angeles. It's, it's an everyday thing, and I'm in a neighborhood with those families, and it just so happens, the light that I live next to, the next light is exactly a quarter mile.
1: Oh, no. They
2: drag all day long, Ferrari, Lamborghinis, and people get their cars, and they want to rev and hear the pop. I'm like, okay, I get it. Yes, I know.
0: Yes, we all know what that really means, everyone. I know
2: what that means. Okay, yes.
0: (laughs) Well, on that note, let's get started with some less less demeaning car drivers, because if you have a nice car, I don't hate. I never hate on somebody with a nice car. Oh, right, right, right. Good for you. you. That's how you drive it. If you, drive it, if you drive it like an asshole, I'm going to think you're an asshole. It's just, just science. Like, if, okay. if I go to a restaurant and the cook mm-hmm. can't cook, I'm going to be like, well, they're not a good cook. They shouldn't be doing right. this. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So, Sean, you have quite the story, my friend. You have a lot of things, a lot of different facets on it. Why don't you start off with just a brief, like, overview of who you are, what you do now, and then we'll talk about how you got there.
2: Okay. Sure. So, I'm a... I say I'm a military kid. Grew up a military kid. Um, father was in the army and in the navy. Mm-hmm. We moved more than I cared. I <laughs> lived in two different. Well, lived in Portugal, Spain, and also, and of course, the United States. Moved a lots of kid. Grew up in sports and technology. My father was a communication specialist for the Navy and the Army. So there was always computer books. Back in those days, floppy disks were about this big. and you know. So I kind of learned a lot from there and then got into sports, of course, basketball, football. Those are kind of my two things. And eventually basketball, you know, played high school, high school sports. Uh, basketball was kind of like my first love. And then I kind of got into, yeah, played semi-pro. Then I got into track and field by accident in college let's see a lot of things happen by accident (laughs) but in college and then and I got an accident I say an accident because my first year at my college Bowie State University I went for the basketball team because I was I was a pretty good player but I didn't understand that universities choose their players at a different time than high school high school tryouts are in what November early November college they choose their players in the summer. Really? Yeah. So a lot of the players, if they haven't already recruited you, they choose their teams at that time. I don't know what they do now, but at that time, they chose that during the summer. So when November comes around, they're really only looking for one or two people. So didn't make the team, angry about it. And then a friend of mine said, hey, well, come work out with us at the track. You know, this will get you ready for next year. I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. And I get there and then... Coast kind of takes a liking to me. Ask me if I want to be a long jumper and a high jumper, and I'm like, dude, I don't know how to do no that stuff. I'm a basketball player.
0: Just and jump one like, way, just one way. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, he's he because obviously they let me practice with the team.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: I had no idea who I was practicing with. I just all right. Let me just get better. So we were doing jumping drills, and he realized I could jump very high. So he offered me to be on the team. I'm like, okay, cool. So. They're having their conversation, whatever. So then that Friday, which I, I, I love telling the story, we had a competition to lead to New York. Mm-hmm. I was living in Maryland at the time. Well, I didn't show up. So on Monday, everyone's like, Well, where are you? I said, Look, I'm a college student. I can't afford to go to New York. Yeah. And the whole team laughs at me. And I'm trying to figure out, oh, What are you laughing at? They said, Well, that's paid for. I said, Who paid for it? <laughs> we'll come to find out. I made the Adidas national team, the professional team. Oh, wow. Had no clue. So (laughs) everything was paid for. Like that Monday I got all my new gear that was sponsored by Adidas. And I'm like, I'm a professional track athlete. How did did this happen? (laughs) Like how, I was just here to work out. But then it went from there. And then, which is something I put in my book. I I was failing out of college. Mm -hmm. I got kicked out twice. Oh, geez. Yeah, because my grades. First of all, my grades, they they suck. I was able to talk my way back in. And then I didn't change anything because I was spending more time chasing girls and running track. Hmm. I was barely on campus. So when they kicked me out the second time, they was like, don't come back. So I'm like, there's no way I'm calling my mother until I got kicked out of school. I got to talk to somebody. And then it was like, okay, who's the Who's so everybody has a boss? So who could I find? And then I found my way to the provost of the university. And he just kind of looked at me. Well, when he arrived, I was asleep on his door. Oh, I wow. knew he got there at six. So I was leaned against his door, knocked out. So they taught, talk, he talked, he said, I tell you what, I shouldn't let you back, but I'm gonna give you one semester. But I before that, I need an eight page paper explaining why I should let you back. I'm Just like, horrible hard. writing skills dude oh like, i don't know how i'm gonna do this but i figured it out mm-hmm. the help of some friends and then he let me back in and then pulled my grades back up ended up being the assistant coach for the university won a track and field championship and then i returned to professional sports because i had to drop out of adidas so i didn't get kicked out of school right so After we won the championship, I got recruited to train for the Olympics, the 2008 Olympics, and the training camp was in North Carolina. So,
0: oh, that's awesome, man!
2: So, yeah,
0: what a story too. Like, that's why, like, you watch movies, especially like I'm I'm a big Mm -hmm. movie fan, and there's nothing funnier than watching a movie about people in college. They never go to class. They never do their work. Like, look look at a movie like Animal House. I don't remember that. I love that movie. It's one of the greatest (laughs) college movies of all time. They don't go to class at all. Like, that's the whole point. And, you yeah. know, I went to college, and I knew that I could not dorm at college. I didn't want to, but I, I oh, also knew okay. if I dormed at college, I wouldn't get mm-hmm. shit done.
2: Dude, that's what happened to me. Mm-hmm. That's why I was failing out of thing. It was everything. It was like girls, parties, frat houses, track and field. I went to Literally one like party. PCU, if you can remember that. What was that? I think the movie was up. Was it PCU?
0: It's Uh, really familiar. I think I saw it maybe once ago.
2: Quite a few. It had had like Parliament Funkadelic was playing as like (laughs) in the band there. And yeah, it was about a guy. I guess the guy, he had the key to everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I went to one college party. One ever. And I was so miserable the whole time just because it was like the school that I went to. They didn't have Mm -hmm. like real frats. They had like they had some like housing on campus that were like actual like almost like townhouses where people okay. would party and i just remember being packed in there like sardines it was just i was just yeah. miserable i like i'd rather go out and meet people that i don't go to school with but
2: <laughs> okay.
0: so, yeah well, one party you're one of those
2: smarter ones okay
0: oh yeah and now like now eight o'clock bedtime solid i went i went straight to boring i love it my wife makes fun of me because she she has a different work schedule we have very different work schedules that's part of the reason okay. i wake i go to bed so early It's like nine Mm. o'clock. She's like, Oh my God, you're still awake. Huh? I'm like, shut up.
2: I'm trying to sleep. Right. I'm trying to work this out. (laughs) Get
0: get out of here. But so let's go back though, a little bit. So you mentioned, you know, to me during, in your media kit, like you had a lot of issues growing up. Like, can you talk a little bit about your past before college? Yeah.
2: Okay. So, so yeah. So I said, grew up military family and then my parents divorced Mm -hmm. when I was
0: 14. That's a tough age for a divorce.
2: A horrible age, especially for us young men. Yeah. Because that's the age we get in our teens. that's when we need our fathers the most. Because that's when we really start getting into some stuff.
0: Yeah. And also, I I my parents got divorced when I was very young, like about six, I want to say at the time, five or okay. six. So okay. I my memories of, of my parents together are few and far between at this point. You know, it's exactly. 30, 30 years now. But right. You know, especially like you said in your teenage years, you're also creating a lot of identity points about yourself, and you learn it from your environment, especially relationships. So, mm-hmm. like, I can't imagine how like shattering that is. Like, you're 14, you're like, all right, I'm going to start like dating girls, and like, how do I do it, and yeah. that, things, and then suddenly mm-hmm. the biggest source of relationship is just yeah. gone.
2: Dude, it's it's so and yes, the relationship part is a side effect that most people don't talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. Because again, I would go from people to people, whether it be my regular friends or just I was always kind of bouncing around because I couldn't hold a steady relationship. Because and one of the biggest challenges I had was I didn't understand why he left. So like on a Friday, I went camping on the weekend with friends. My father's at home. I come back on Sunday, Don. no more father in the house. And he, he was already gone by the time I got there. Mm-hmm. So it's like, everyone knew, but me. And I always tell the story, like when I came up, I like, why is everybody crying? Like, everybody in Christ. So I have a, a, I have a younger sister, younger brother, and then of course my mother. Everyone's crying, I'm like, well, what's going on? They're like, oh, dad left. I'm like, all right, where'd he go? <laughs> like, no, he left. I'm like, all right, well, where'd he go? Well, when's he coming back? Well, he's not coming back. What do you mean he's not coming back? He has a family, he has a house. He's in a hotel. Why is he in a hotel? He has a house. He's with some girl. Why is he with some girl? He has a, oh. Oh. Oh, wait a minute. And then it finally kicked in. It was like, my father left? Wait a minute, he's. And I just remember at that point, that's where a lot of my, I guess you could say your, a lot of the emotional issues that I had started Mm -hmm. because I didn't understand.
1: Right. You know, a lot of
2: us young men, we take a lot of stuff. We take things more seriously than not. Mm-hmm. So I took it as he left me. I didn't even think about, oh, yeah, he left the family. Yeah, of course he left the whole family. But I was like, no, 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 wait a minute. He left. What did I do? Mm-hmm. What did I do to cause him to leave?
1: Oh, that and for years,
2: I was just an angry kid. Angry kid. Getting into stuff. But I was always smart enough to... I knew where that line was, Mm -hmm. but I would press that line so much.
0: Toe Um, toe right to it.
2: Oh, yeah. Toe right right to it. Throwing a foot over like, ah, ah, ah.
0: Come get me. Come get me. Can't get me. Yeah. Can't
2: get me. Yeah. Well, it got me one time and I ended up in jail, which was, believe it or not, some people say, okay, you know, jail can can help people. It helped me to a perspective, to a certain extent, Mm -hmm. but it also destroyed my mental because of what I experienced. Not even so much while I was there, the process. Mm-hmm. And the thing that most people don't talk about when it comes to jail is people talk about what happened inside. Right. There's a process. The minute you enter those doors, they completely dehumanize you
1: mm-hmm.
2: and let you know you're pretty much a number and an animal. And you're thrown in a cage with other people who people who they deemed as animals. And so that mental process of of breaking your mind and your spirit, it's just, it's something that just, you never forget. And so when I got out of that, I was happy to be home, but my mind is now warped forever. Mm -hmm. And what I saw in there, the people I met, what I learned, now I'm back on the street. I wasn't even gone. I was gone for four days. Oh god. So some people are like, "Well, how can four days?" I'm like, "You Have know, you know the was? was? Yeah. That'll do it to you.
1: Yeah.
0: There was a that psychological experiment where at a college they had like the kids mm-hmm. as guards and prisoners. Yeah. And like literally they they dove into those roles to the point where they had to stop the experiment because it was getting too dangerous. Like they yeah got into their heads you know there's a whole conversation about especially in america the prison system and like there mm. are countries with way worse prison systems like you go in oh, yeah. you're coming out oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. but yeah. ours the, the problem in america is ours is very it's it's almost like i hate to make this analogy it's almost like college where it's here's the business first and then here's yes. the thing that you're actually here for for college exactly. it's education for mm-hmm. prison it's supposed to be rehabilitation but yeah. it's yeah. dollar sign rehabilitation no I mean, look no. at colleges and universities during COVID. They were still trying to charge full tuition for people. Like Business. It's a business wild. first. So, yeah. so yeah. you get out four days, like your whole mindset's changed and- Everything's changed. What, and what then, came um, next? Yeah.
2: I realized that I have to get out the streets. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'm going to end up back in jail or I'm going to end up dead. So I get my work my way into college Um, uh, within the next, I think it was eight months, and- but as I go in, now I have all these mental issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I have environment issues. I'm paranoid. Just the four days that I was in there, what I saw inside of there, and and, and they called themselves making a mistake and end up putting me with murderers. Jeez, I was in there for literally, I, I had stole a $20 t-shirt and we got in a fight with and undercover who was off-duty and had no badge.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So they tried to charge us with all of that, but ended up none of it stuck because it's like, not only is he off-duty, he's off duty, he didn't have a badge. He was with his family. Yeah. And he jumped on us for no reason. He didn't know what we were doing. So, but now I have all these mental challenges. So when I get into college, it gets worse because the university I went to is like 13th grade.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's in Maryland, but at the university is stuck in between D.C. and Baltimore. Now, during those times, D.C. Baltimore had a deadly feud, right? So there was consistent fights, violence, and I mean violence that you wouldn't expect on a university.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So that was warping my mind every time I turn around, ready to fight, ready to protect myself gunshots. I mean, it was just, it was insane.
0: And that, that takes a toll being in that constant yeah. state of, of fight or flight. it You know, that's yeah. what, like military first responders, you know, law enforcement entities who are constantly in that, that state, mm-hmm. yeah. don't know how to turn it off. And it just warps your brain.
2: Yeah. I mean, and even now I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm much, 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 much better. I've been to therapy and things like that, but Sometimes I still can't turn it off. Mm-hmm. I get in that mode. I have a level of PTSD that is very similar to going to war. Certain sounds, I automatically react. Right. And sometimes I don't even know it. And I look down in my hands. I have this thing where when I, my anxiety kicks in, my hands start doing this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, it's, it's, it's a weird thing that I do. But so college, the relationship part, again, couldn't hold a decent relationship. Just, you you turn, your, you turn that part of your brain off. Mm-hmm. Everything is just, I'm trying to survive. I'm trying to figure things out. And I just, I had so many things happening against me because I was perceived as the good guy, which I was a good guy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I kept getting screwed over, which would make me angrier. And it just back, forth, back, forth. Me not making the basketball team furious. I wanted to go and find the coach, and just start fighting him.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then I, then I fight the assistant. Like it was, it was so much anger that happens. And as young men, a lot of us we're taught how to survive. Not there's not a lot of us who are taught the ins and out of life, the financial part, the emotional part. Which is why I do what I do now. I focus more on helping young men with the emotional part because that's the part we're not taught.
0: Right. I mean, how many men like we're taught, you know, tough it out, you know, bury that that, exactly. rub some mm-hmm. dirt in it, walk it off. Like yeah. there is a very, there's a terrible mindset and it's a very old school mindset. It's finally starting to kind of, yes, be right. at least, and it's yeah. not as uncommon anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I, I do work with kids and a lot of these like 14 year old boys, you know, some of them are like, I'm feeling really anxious. I need to like, not do this. I'm like, if I had said that when oh, I was 14, 14- oh my God. Yes. Not even, I'm not even saying like I get smacked or something like that, like in the yeah. back of the head. Just the, yeah. the mean that would come after it. Like, what are you talking about anxious? You don't know what anxious is. Like that, oh, that's, that's always my yeah. favorite.
2: And they'll crucify you. And if you're around friends, you get clowned for that. Oh, yeah. Well, so immediately you don't want to do that, even though that's how you feel. Mm-hmm. You're trying to hold it all in. That's why my book is called Chin Up, Chest Up, because... It's always, all right, you know what? i got to be strong. i got to look like this, where inside, you're like dying. Yeah. You're anxious. You're scared. You're afraid. You're nervous. You're all these different emotions, but you don't know how to put a name to them, because you don't know what they are.
0: It's funny, because we, at the time of recording, just so everybody knows, it's about Halloween yeah. time, and last night, we went to a haunted house and hayride and all that stuff, because I love that stuff. You know, my okay. wife's, like, cutting off circulation to my arm as we walk through, and our, our friends are <laughs> with us. Right. But behind us is a group of high school boys, which is always – I hate it. Whenever you go somewhere and there's a group of, of teenagers, you're always like, damn it. But so, – so behind us, they are they are putting on such a front. They are, they're making jokes. They're laughing. They're singing. And they're like – they're calling out like the people that are hiding to scare you. But yeah. towards the end, they started getting quieter and quieter because they were actually getting afraid. And they yeah. didn't know how to – they were so busy being so boisterous and putting on that front for their friends especially – that suddenly towards the end, you just heard one kid say something and the other kid goes, shut up, Todd. Like just, yeah. but it, it's the perfect example of what you're talking about, especially mm-hmm. for teenage boys.
2: Yeah. And and that's how it happens. We start off with, no, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then as the years go by, where you're not really releasing and talking about how you feel, it builds up. And it, at some point, the body breaks, or the mm-hmm. mind breaks, excuse me. And you know, it was the same for me going through so much, whether it be the violence, whether it be the friends and the, the emotions, the issues with my father, not getting this job, getting screwed over here eventually. And I didn't have a way to let that out. And then I had, I ended up having an unfortunate situation where I lost a child.
1: Oh, I'm so sorry. That's,
2: it was, that's what broke me. mm mm-hmm. And when I say it broke me, it it wasn't for the good. It's a part of my book. I talk about it where, so basically the short version is I was dating a girl. We had a child on the way. And then one day she just decides that I don't want to have a baby. So she goes, has an abortion, doesn't tell me until after she does it. Oh, wow. And I'm just like, but again, that whole man up, like, okay, all right, you know what? I'll be fine. You know, I'm good. Let me take care of her. Make sure she's okay. I know these things happen. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until a few weeks later where I noticed she was distancing herself from me. Even after I called her out on it, and I said, "In my mind, is like I know what she's doing. She's mm-hmm. leaving." And then eventually, I call Planned Parenthood, which is to this day is a funny story because I call them, and they're like hello because they realize it's a guy
1: yeah weird. we're
2: right you're calling us all
1: right
2: yeah my girlfriend i I need to figure out how to help her they're like okay what's your question i said well she just had an abortion i know there's these emotional things that girls go through she i think she may be depressed or something i don't know how can i help her Mm -hmm. the girl starts crying i'm like why are you crying and then she says, she puts me on speakerphone. She's like, say it again. And I'm like, say what again? Tell Say what you just, asked. so I say, I'm trying to get some help from my girlfriend. She just had an abortion and it was three other girls. They start crying. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Why is everybody crying? Help me out. Yeah, I'm, I'm the hell. I need help. I'm hey, the caller. I'm the caller. So she gets herself together and she says, I'm sorry, but. Men don't call, and we've never heard this before in all our years. And I was like,
1: "Oh, damn,
2: okay." So, and everybody's a little bit emotional about it because some they realizing that there are men who actually care. And I'm like, "Yeah." So she says, "Okay, well, she's gonna go through this. She's gonna go through that. You're gonna need this. You're gonna need this." I said, "Okay, cool, cool, cool." She said, "Oh, and lastly, write down this number." So I said, "Okay," I wrote down the phone number. I said, "Well, what's this for?" She said, "You're gonna need that number. That's for therapy." And immediately I realized everything. Every it's like that little flashbacks from like movies that happened in like three seconds. Yeah. Everything from when my father left to the relationships that I destroyed along the way to jail, to college, to fights, to guns, to this situation hit me in that three seconds and I lost it. Oh wow. I'm in I'm at work, corporate office. Lost it. Balling out on the floor. People are nervous because they don't know how to deal with me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Because I'm always the one helping everybody. They don't know what right. to do with me. And because I've realized I need help. So. Cry for about six to eight months. Thought it would never shut off. First you cry. Mm-hmm. Then once you get that point through that anger sets in. Because you're like, I'm a good dude. Why would they do this to me? hmm. And then I broke again. This time was more towards anger. So now I know she's at a party. I know who's at this party. Uh-huh. Do I just show up? I say, okay, let me stay calm. And then one of my homeboys drunk calls me, yo, your girl's here on top of some other dude.
1: Uh-huh. I, yeah. Yeah. Yep. There I'm,
2: still, I'm still mad at him for that because he knew everything I was going through. I'm like, why did he
0: even call me? It's not, you know, it's not like nowadays where you would physically see it like on Instagram or Snapchat. Right, right, right. Like, oh, it's just yeah. like he's looking out for you, but at the same time, he's not really looking out for you. A-
2: exactly. Exact, but yeah, but he's drunk. He didn't understand that. So later on, he was like, dude, I should have never called you. Yep. Yeah. Because Now I'm angry. It's midnight. I'm getting dressed. I'm looking for my gun. I'm going out the house. And then he's like, whatever you're doing, stay your butt in the house. And then Mm -hmm. my other homegirl calls me, I don't know what you're doing. Stay in the house. So I stayed in the house. I call her. She answers the phone. I'm like, oh, I heard blah, 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 blah. And I'm not that guy. Right. I'm not the guy to call and curse a girl out. I've never done that before. But when you break, these things happen. Mm -hmm. And then I threatened her that I was going to be at her house when she got there. And then, but then I said, I said to myself, I said, wait, but she had a seven year old son. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I've been that kid. I said, I'm not going to do that to that young boy. Right. And that's what kept me from going to her house.
0: That's awesome. That Like that, that last pit, man, like, cause we've all been there in some capacity, you know, I, yeah. again, you know, as I mentioned, I'm a child of divorce myself. And it's funny now when I'm, when I'm 36, almost 37, like, Perspective is very different. But when I was younger, yeah. same thing, man. Like I, I was mad. I first I thought it was my fault, and there's no way, no matter exactly. how much your family yes. can tell you, it is not your yes. fault. Like, yeah. and then then it shifts where suddenly, oh, you're the man of the house now. I'm like, I yes. I just learned how to piece, you know, by myself. Exactly,
2: <laughs> standing up. Yes.
0: Like I I still can't make a meal, much less run. Like, but that's what happens, and it gets into your head, and. You know, I had a lot of relationship trouble, you know, God, God bless my wife who, after many, I always said my longest relationship until my wife was six months, always, it was always six months and that was pushing it. Mm -hmm. And then my wife rolls around and just the, the impact and the, and the, the pushing that she's done for me. Like I, I love the idea of mental health. I I've talked to people, I've read books, like she's the Mm -hmm. one that, that opened up that world and said, it's okay to not be okay.
1: Yeah.
0: And It was the first time anybody ever said that. Like when I was younger, I nice uh, nice Italian household, you know. Okay. And they they always said you're too sensitive. Like just yep. that was that was always the thing. You're too sensitive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm originally from things. New
2: York and a lot oh, yeah. a lot of Italian friends, mm-hmm. Italian and Sicilian. There is a difference.
0: There is a difference. <laughs> oh, there is a difference. But yeah, you know, same thing. Italian. We grew up in New York. I still live in New mm-hmm. York. And man, like the idea of trying to. Get help like that wasn't wasn't the thing. Yeah, it wasn't. No. After after it happened, we talked to a lot of people though because you know obviously custody and stuff like that. They want to get Mm -hmm. you know who's the best fit. I like I remember that stuff and I remember seeing somebody when I was young because I had a lot of issues with everything. But you know nowadays, I love how much people talk about it now, especially for men.
2: Oh my gosh, I wish we had that when we were coming up. And that the one piece that you touched on is something that most people don't understand when it comes to parents divorcing and it is a young boy. We, we instinctively attempt to take over the role of the man of the house. Mm-hmm. Not that we know what we're doing. And my father always told me, you know, if something happened to me, you're the man of the house. We take that literally. We
0: So literally.
2: Yes. Well, granted, like you said, we barely know how to stand and pee. We don't know how to cook anything. We, we, we don't, but it just, it happens.
0: Oh, see, exactly. I like that. And that's again, any, any child of divorce or any child without uh, that, especially that male f- uh, father figure can understand mm-hmm. that, especially young boys. Like it's, you know, we're we're the hunters, we're the you know, we're the men, mm-hmm. Where the, there's a certain. And again, it's been breaking down over the years. It's a lot different. Like It is so different. Oh, now. God.
2: Oh, my God. Yeah. These kids are not. I think we're the last generation that was
0: built like that. Yeah, I really hope there's no draft because I sw- yeah. I, don't, I don't think we're gonna win. We'd we'd lose. I hate to say it, and I'm not trying. I was
2: talking to my brother about that the other day because his his wife is actually in the military as well. Mm-hmm. He's like, dude, man, they're gonna. I think they might bring back the draft. They're gonna do this and or that, and I'm like, I said, even if they did, no one's going. No. Like, what do you mean? It's the draft. You gotta go. I said these kids aren't built like we were. Mm-mm. There's no sense of Duty, country, anything. No, no, no. These they can draft them all they want. These kids aren't gonna show up on the first day. What are you gonna do? Put them all in jail? Yeah, do it. It'll be pointless. They're not going.
0: <laughs> it's wild. Like, and say say what you I like. I've done episodes about you know the difference between masculinity and toxic masculinity. They're they're very That's different. It. I, yeah, I do think that our society does need a little bit more of the positive type of masculinity. Like, yes. you know, if I go out with my wife. I want to know for a fact that if somebody goes near my wife, I can punch them in the face really hard, and I'm going to win that fight. Absolutely, hundred like, percent. And that's not about me being tougher than somebody else; it's about me protecting my wife. Exactly. And that's the difference for me. But mm-hmm. let's let's shift gears for a little bit because you've mentioned okay. it twice, and I really want to okay. hear more about it. You have a book, chin up, chest out. Yes, Please, tell
2: chin me, up, like- chest up. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's called chin up, chest up, the mm-hmm. emotional struggle of a young boy becoming a man.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I used my life and my stories like some of the ones we talked about and it's not so much me because these stories that I'm talking about these this there's young men living this every day I'm just giving chapter and verse using myself and my situation but they're not unique Mm -hmm. so I talk about how my father left and how it changed me forever I talk about jail and it was written so so I'm gonna step back for a second. You when you looked at my my media kit and everything, it's like, oh wow, this this, 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 and this. When I say it wasn't by design, it wasn't by design because again, I was an angry kid. Mm-hmm. I did things to prove a point. So if I saw something that interests me, I said, you know what? Because oh, here's the situation. It was just it's in the book. So right around the high school part of my book, when I first got in, when I was playing ball and I started growing. So I grew from five to about 5'11 in one summer.
0: Nice. Wow.
2: But in the middle of that, I was right around 5'8 playing ball. And I remember I was playing in the school, in the high school, and ball comes off the rim. I go in to catch it. I catch it, and I realize I'm above the rim. So I dunk it. My first dunk ever. Awesome. Everybody's excited. I'm excited, blah, blah, blah. And we're getting ready to start the next game. And you know how you feel the energy of someone who's, like, behind you? Yeah. I turn around, and it's the, it's the gym teacher. N- never forget him, Mr. Rowland. And he's got the most disgusted look on his face. So I'm looking around like, who's he? And I realize he's looking at me. And he just looks at me, and I'm like, all right. He says, you're a waste of talent, huh? He said, you're a complete waste of talent. Get out of my face. And I, I stood there, and I didn't understand. And he, he walks out the gym. Never talked, never spoke to me again. And then all my teammates were like, What happened? What did he say? And I'm like, nothing. Like, all right, you ready to play? I was like, no, I don't want to play no more. And that destroyed me mm-hmm. because that's right after my father left. So now I got two men that's pretty much shut me down. So at this point, after about a month, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna prove to him that I'm not a waste of talent. I'm gonna prove to my father. That I was worth him staying so I'm gonna do everything mm-hmm. so I would do things out of anger to prove that you know what I could do that too oh you're a photographer I can do it better than you and I was successful because I have the will to learn and educate myself I don't care I'll sit here for 24 hours just to learn something mm-hmm. just to say I can do it better than you can that's how I was so when I wrote this book It was the first thing that i ever did the second thing i ever did that was not out of anger Hmm. so it was it was really big like and and i had i had a business that i did with uh headphone covers in the past that i don't know if you've ever seen them like they're like the beast by Dre's and they have like different covers on them yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. well i made those
1: oh that's awesome (laughs) that's so cool
2: yeah yeah i have the the patents Kind of up there in the corner back there, but I, I have a patent for that, yeah. But that's this is also in the book. That was, a, that was the first thing in my entire life that I created that wasn't out of anger. Then the book followed up behind that. Now, the story of that business is also in the book because that was also a dark moment in my life because we ended up with a guy that was pretty much screwing us over and then he threatened me and threatened to burn all of my stuff, which to me was a labor of love, the first thing I've ever done that was not an anger, and Lily' mind shifted, went looking for him with a gun, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, the book was just one of those, I think it's time to tell, talk about those things that n- nobody talks about, that men are afraid to talk about.
1: Right.
2: And I was 100% transparent, open, and this the stories, it's... It's written like a movie, I'll tell you. And make sure I get your address because I'm gonna send you a physical copy.
0: Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you.
2: I think it, I think you really like it. It's a beautiful story, and it has a great ending.
0: Yeah. Oh man, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Like we we love we love we love books in this house. My wife runs a, a book page on Instagram, so I'm Sorry. sure she will have a review up there at some point. Don't worry. Oh,
2: <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I gotta follow that one. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll get, don't worry. I, afterwards, we'll we'll get everything done. No, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but we are nearing the end of our time, so this is my favorite part of the of the interview. We do a rapid fire game where I ask a couple it. of rapid fire questions. If you're interested in playing, of course. I'm or, interested in playing. Let's get it. All right. This this is my favorite part because I always get some of the best answers. All right. all right. And I try and cater them to whoever I'm talking to. So some of them are like sports. Some of them are books. Like so. We'll, we'll say, what is your favorite track event that you've ever participated in? Long jump long jump I like it what is one book other than yours that you'd recommend to young men
2: I believe it's I believe it's called simply uh is it
0: simply B sounds very familiar yes
2: simply B is the letters is like in yellow which just a big it says B on the front written by a young lady I think it was catered around marketing mm-hmm. and business but it's a great book to read because it takes you outside of yourself and I gotta throw a second one in there which is the magic shop
0: the magic shop all right i'm gonna write that one because i've never heard of that mean,
2: one. you should read that one every chapter is fairly small but you can't
0: put it down oh see those are my favorite kind of books
2: you can't put it down and it and it, it makes you look at yourself
0: i like that yeah. all right who is a mentor or figure that has inspired you because we did talk about some of the poor father figures and mentors but what are some positive ones in your life mm, mentors
2: let's see uh Two of my, well, strangely enough, both of my, both of my mentors passed recently. So one of them was a church mentor that I had, Mr. Cato. He, he's one of the ones who took me in as far as let me stay with him, keep me around him and his son and his wife, because I was an angry kid at church. Mm-hmm. He knew that I was angry. He knew that I needed to see what a family was. I needed to see what men, real men do. So. He kind of took me in, would teach me different things. and But he would wrap it around basketball because he knew that's what I loved. Mm. So he would play with us, talk with us, men's stuff. And then my Olympic coach, when I was training for the Olympics, Coach Blake, she's the one who taught me the softer side, the emotional side, because she taught me how to train women. Mm. She taught me how to think, you know, outside of a man's perspective and tap into the other part of my brain. just kind of the more emotional part. And that's where the start of my emotional journey began.
0: Oh, that's awesome. All right, let's see. Your go-to advice for aspiring athletes. Two things.
2: Be a student of the game, always learning. And I have a quote that I love that sticks with me to this day, which is, be willing to give up everything you are today for who you will become tomorrow.
0: I like that. I like that. So many people just get stuck in their ways, and right, right, yeah. and then last one, a quote, or well, you just answered it. Never mind. A, I'll still say it, it was a, <laughs> a quote or a mantra that you live by. But I, I feel well, like
1: that.
2: yeah, that would be it. Then maybe another thing for advice for athletes is yeah, like I said, student of the game, and then emotional intelligence. Which strangely enough, yeah. yesterday I just finished a book for athletes. Twenty six pages. It's a quick guide. I, it's a model that I call the sprint model mm. and it's basically a breakdown where you have your, your self-awareness, you know, purpose-driven, resilient, interpersonal skills, navigating anxiety and transformation. And I utilize that, that model towards athletes, so athletes and performers. So if you're a singer, you're a, you play instruments, you're an athlete or you're uh, an actor. This is all built around building your emotional talent intelligence
0: towards your specific discipline. That's awesome, man. Now, if anybody wanted to buy your books or or spe- learn more about you, what are the best ways that they can do that? Uh
2: just my website's probably gonna be best seanjspencer.com and S-H-A-U-N, seanjspencer.com. and also on Instagram is I am Sean Spencer.
0: B- very direct. I like it.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. I used to use my old name was Olympic Trainer, which <laughs> I have for so many years because when I was training for the Olympics, I was also coaching people. So someone gave
0: me that name. Oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. But Sean, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for sitting in with us. And I really that's hope awesome. that anybody who's listening, especially the young men out there, like it, it's it's going to be okay and everything's it's good. You, just, okay. you yeah. just like don't be afraid to let it out. You know, yeah. that's where we're at.
2: You feel so much better when you do.
0: Awesome, oh, best best feeling. But thank you so much for being on. We'll talk to you soon. Man, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey guys, it's Paul, and the Misfit Faction is looking for your help. We are trying to grow not only our network, but also grow our brands, and the best way to do that is if you guys are looking to start your very own podcast, maybe you guys have been listening to us for a while, maybe it's something you guys have always wanted to do, but you're not sure how to get started, if you go to podbean.com slash Misfit Faction, you guys will get a month of free podcasting on us, that is a gift from us, so make sure if you guys are looking to start your own show, you reach out to us and go to podbean.com slash Misfit Faction. Also, maybe you guys have your own online business or service that you're always looking to grow and advertising is a very big part of that if you guys go to sponsorship.podbean.com slash misfit faction you guys can get a hundred dollars worth of free advertising again as a thank you from us to you guys that's sponsorship.podbean.com slash misfit faction and welcome back everyone we hope everybody had a really good time listening to sean he was a fantastic interview i had a blast talking with him we ended up uh actually chatting for like another 20 minutes after the end of the interview just such a good guy a good genuine guy so make sure you guys check out some of his stuff including his book and if you guys are looking for more of our content it's super easy just go to our website themisfitfaction.com you'll find links to all of our shows not just mf uncensored but also cinematic adventures and the multiverse fancast you'll also find news reviews articles more we have a ton of stuff on the uh website right now so make sure you guys check that out and of course if you guys like this episode and you want to see the full video just go to our youtube channel type in the Misfit Fashion Media Network. This video is live with the audio as well, so make sure you guys check that out. Like, comment, subscribe. It really helps the network. We want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, we'll see you next time.